All right. Good morning, everyone. We're in person. Good morning. Good morning. I, um, I'm calling the TJPA Board of Directors regular meeting of November 10th, 2022 to order. I am Raphael Mandelman. I am the vice chair, but I am chairing today um, in the place of our, um, in the place of Jeff G. Um, this board meeting is being held in person at San Francisco City Hall. Members of the public may attend the meeting in person. Watch on SF Cable channel 78, 28, or 99, depending on your provider or visit the SFGovTV website, very exciting, www.sfgovtv.org, to stream the live meeting. Madam Secretary, will you please call the roll? All right, thank you. Thank you, um, Vice Chair Mandelman, prior to calling roll. I'll go ahead and note, as you mentioned already, Vice Chair, um, excuse me, Chair G is absent due to a scheduling conflict, and thank you for presiding over this meeting. Also, uh, Director El Tawansi is absent due to a scheduling conflict. With that, Director Forbes? Here. Forbes present. Director John Baptiste? Present. John Baptiste present. Director Lipkin? Present. Lipkin present. Director Shaw? Here. Shaw present. Director Tumlin? Here. Tumlin present. And Vice Chair Mandelman? Uh, present. Mandelman present as well. Uh, directors of form. Shall I go ahead and call your next item? Go ahead. Right. Uh, director's item three is communications. At this time, we'd like to note the process for members of the public to make public comment. Members of the public may comment on the meeting during public periods in person or remotely. In-person public comment will be taken first. Remote public comment will be taken after. The public uh, comment call-in line is printed on the agenda and dialing instructions uh, will be scrolling uh, at the bottom of the screen on SFGov TV. Are there any other communications from board members? Seeing none, I'll call ahead and call your next item. Great. Item four, directors, is uh, Board of Directors new under old business. I'm not aware of any. Seeing none, we'll go ahead and call your next item. Uh, directors, item five is the Executive Director's Report, and Executive Director Adam Van Water will present. Good morning, directors. Very nice to see you in person for the first time since the pandemic here in City Hall. Uh, welcome back. Um, lovely to be here. Um, it's we had a, our October meeting was canceled, and so it's been uh, two months since our September meeting. So there's a few things to bring you up to date on. Uh, I want to start by first congratulating our vice chair and current chair on his reelection campaign earlier this week. Um, and we remain cautiously optimistic on the passage of Proposition L, which currently leads, has not yet been called with the uh, remaining outstanding mail-in ballots. Um, so we'll be monitoring that, I believe. Uh, elections will be giving us an update later this afternoon, um, but it's currently holding at, I believe, 68.8%, so needing two-thirds. Uh, there's still a little bit to follow there. Um, we, uh, of course, for Proposition L, uh, it means uh, it has significant impacts to the downtown extension rail, the downtown rail extension project, uh, as it's slated to get $300 million upon uh, approval. So since our September meeting, um, a few things at the center. We continue to see increased uh, ridership and park utilization. We have about 20 uh, active uh, programmed events per week, uh, and you'll hear a little bit about that in our facilities uh, report from Ari Walsh. Um, we've got uh, um, a number of activities forthcoming. The December 9th, we'll be doing our holiday lighting, so all of you are invited to join us for that. It should be a festive occasion in the rooftop park with um, some activities, drinks, dancing, uh, music, etc. And then the following week, on the 15th, 16th is our Winterfest. So you'll hear again a little bit about uh, more about that in our facilities report. 
Um, we have a number of tenant spaces that are continuing to uh, progress towards opening. Uh, you'll hear about those in uh, very soon. Um, but the uh, Minna Street side has uh, a couple of restaurants opening, um, and there are more underway. Uh, one of the ones that was I found particularly exciting was the craning in of two uh, containers into the park for the future beer garden that will be bare bottle in the main plaza. So those are now in location. The pavers are completed around it. Uh, you'll see some images about when that's scheduled to open in about a month's time. Um, we have had a number of tours at the center. Um, Mayor London Breed and California's infrastructure advisor, Antonio Vieira-Gregosa, uh, were in our train box and touring the center uh, last month as the state looks towards its important infrastructure projects uh, and leveraging federal dollars through the bipartisan infrastructure law. We hosted Carrie Thomas, the director of the Preparedness Grants Division at uh, FEMA, um, as a follow-up to our uh, Transit Security Grant Program application and got a chance to show him around um, both the security operations and, and the facility itself. Um, the Green Building Council had their annual conference at Moscone, and we had a, a number of attendees um, also take a tour of the building and see some of the uh, green elements of the building as we just uh, put up our LEED Gold certified stickers um, in the uh, Grand Hall. Um, of course, we also have public tours on a regular basis through SF City Guides, which continue to offer uh, tours of the history, architecture, and, and uh, details of the, the center itself. Regarding the downtown rail extension, uh, we're working with the Federal Transit Administration on our capital improvement grant um, application. And in October, uh, we met with our new, newly assigned project management oversight consultant. This is a significant milestone for us as this is an assigned outside consultant uh, to continue to look into our scope schedule and budget of our application and shows great confidence from FTA uh, that we're continuing to meet our milestones and move forward. Um, the Board of Supervisors approved on first reading earlier on Tuesday uh, community facilities district bond funding of up to $90 million, of which $44 million will be directed to the downtown rail extension. Uh, we're anticipating uh, for close to $43 million in bond proceeds available to the project, and these funds will help us both advance the engineering work and meet FTA's funding requirement to request entry into the engineering phase of the Capital Investment Grant's New Starts program. At the regional level, we've continued to work with the Metropolitan Transportation Commission on their major project advancement policy and transit and inner city rail capital program, the state's cap and trade program, um, the region's endorsements, and secured their full commission approval for $560 million for the project over the life of the TERSIP program, um, which is inclusive of some near-term funding in the amount of $60 million and some future base year funding totaling $560 million. The commission will be reconvening in the wintertime, likely in January and February, to rebalance their endorsement list um, based on federal and state discretionary grant awards um, and other changes to the projects on that list in the coming months. So we are awaiting a number of uh, exciting funding opportunities for DTX. We have an active application to MEGA um, and are awaiting the notice of funding opportunity for the federal state partnership for inner city uh, rail, both of which are due in, within the next month. And then we'll be submitting an application for the consolidated rail and infrastructure uh, 
uh, Chrissy applications, <laughs> but sometimes the acronyms get a little intense, uh, in the first week of December. So, uh, so the funding picture should be coming into focus a little bit um, as we seek to meet our February and uh, August matching requirements under the FTA CIG program next year. At the board's uh, September meeting, uh, we did discuss rebranding the downtown rail extension. We've been making a little bit of progress on that, and we'll get back to you with a refined tagline at our next meeting in December. Our goal there is to have a new descriptor for that project um, in the first quarter of next year as we seek to replace our uh, existing website and, and look forward to some of those funding uh, award opportunities. Uh, lastly, um, I want to congratulate our uh, Executive Steering Committee Chair, Michelle Bouchard, who's unable to join us today on her permanent appointment as Caltrain's Executive Director. This is a long time in the coming, uh, and I look forward to our continued par partnership with Caltrain uh, as we work together to deliver uh, DTX. In your packets, you'll find a couple of uh, details, our project labor agreement quarterly um, report summarizing the notes from our Joint Administrative Committee meetings. Um, and then uh, I look forward to uh, turning it to our uh, facilities and securities director and then to our CAC uh, chair for their updates. But this concludes my executive director report. I'm happy to take any questions or comments before we uh, turn it over to um, Rodney on our security update. Directors, any comments or questions? I want to thank the executive director uh, for um, for your for all your work and help on sales tax renewal. With that, Madam Secretary, we should probably open this item for public comment. You want to wait till the end of the ED report? Uh, we let's do that. Okay. <laughs> so we'll have uh, Rodney Harris, uh, uh, Chief Security Officer, present the security um, operations uh, uh, update. Um. My name is Rodney Harris. I'm the Chief Security Officer. I will be providing the Contract Security Quarterly Report. On June 10th, uh, 2021, this body authorized the interim Executive Director to execute a professional service agreement with Allied Universal for a three-year term for amount not to exceed $15,452,000. Additionally, it was requested of staff to track metrics based on Allied Universal's performance, which I will cover in the following slides. Contract security uh, key performance um, indicators, personnel turnover, post-staffing, post-in-site competency testing. Personnel turnover, AUS must place and retain personnel who deliver constant and high quality service. Post staffing or critical posts in which I've identified at the transit center that absolutely has to be covered 24 seven um, with by trained staff and licensed personnel. Post site competency testing or testing uh, that is administered uh, monthly to eight random posts. Let's talk about personnel turnover. Allot hired a new account manager to, re to replace the previous manager who left for a position in Texas. The new account manager and local management team has been working diligently to identify and hire right personnel who embodies professionalism, customer service. As a result, our staffing trajectory is trending upward. 
However, positive turnover occurred during this reporting period, which is good. Um, we had some individuals who are born here locally in San Francisco uh, and through just the housing, housing crisis and things of that nature have uh, relocated out to the East Bay. Uh, these people aspire to um, get back into this ecosystem here in San Francisco. And so there was several law enforcement agencies that hired several individuals uh, from this account. Additionally, other security officers left to start entry level positions, i.e. like in the trucking industry. The vacated positions uh, were filled all in timely manner. Post-staffing. Staffing is critical uh, to ensure uh, overall safety and secure environment in support of our visitors, bus operations, and tenants. As a result, our critical posts have been staffed accordingly. With increased visitors uh, to the transit center, contract security um, has provided excellent customer service from wayfinding to customer uh, relations and what we mean by customer uh, relations is that we do get a lot of tourists that comes to the transit center looking for Pier 39, looking for the ferry building, and et cetera. And so um, our contract security staff has done a good job to redirect those individuals to other parts of the city. In addition, customer service is part of our own uh, uh, part of our, our site specific training and is ongoing. Post and site competency testing. Uh, before um, being hired, every security officer is given a tour of the facility and provided an overview of the post, including the post order, orders and Valor, our, our incident management system. Valor is our incident management system that is primarily used in our security operations center. Um, however, the security officers utilized the um, app version to create log entries every hour on the hour, including incident reporting. Uh, it gives us some visibility in real time of what's going on out in the transit center from our security operations center, and so we have real time information as things are transpiring. Site specific training, which we do we do in house, um, that includes customer service, professionalism, handheld radio etiquette, lost and found protocol, as we do have um, uh, visitors that um, lose or lost um, or or mislaid property, and we want to make sure that we have a good chain of custody so that we can turn that property back over to the rightful owner. Um, Microsoft Teams, we use Microsoft Teams um, um, out in the field as well, from our security operations center to out into the um, transit center, so it gives. Uh, us the ability to view things uh, in real time using the mobile app and, and, and the camera. Our emergency response, evacuation, unattended and suspicious bags and suspicious persons and activities. Uh, this training is tailored to our environment and our operations and is presented by my managers with my support. Uh, this concludes my presentation as I'll be happy to uh, answer any questions. Directors? Question. Yeah. Um, Up to East. Thank you. Thanks so much for this presentation. I appreciate it and for sharing these metrics. It occurs to me that these are um, very focused on the quality of the service, which I think is great and very appropriate. But I wonder, can you speak a little bit to how you're evaluating the safety of the transit center overall? Sort of how this translates into actually how safe the transit center is? That's a good question, um, Director. Um, in the industry, it's, we use part one, part two crimes. Uh, and that's truly how we gauge uh, the overall safety of the security. Uh, and so those part one, part two crimes are being gathered by uh, SFPD on a, on a monthly basis. 
Um, we look at those and then look at what trends that are there and then make adjustments with contract security, security as well as SFPD. And so um, I think our, our numbers are down. Um, and uh, overall, we have a safe and secure environment here at the Transit Center, but it's always ongoing. It's looking at those numbers and looking at what issues that we're having at different uh, parts of the Transit Center and then redeploying assets there to mitigate our risk. And just as a follow-up, you feel confident that the way the relationship is structured with the security service that you can redirect to where, the, where you're seeing the need? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Anyone else? All right. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Next up, we have uh, Robert R. E. Walsh, our uh, facility director, to present the facility operations update. Good morning, directors and vice chair Mandelman. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm Ari Walsh, the facility director for the TJPA at the Salesforce Transit Center. And I'm here this morning to provide you with a facility operations update. Uh, highlighting our most popular programs, uh, we have Lunchbox Music, Yoga, Toddler Tuesday and Thursday, I should point out, uh, with regular attendance of at least 60 people going all the way up to 80 plus. Um, in addition to the type of events that we hold, I think it's pretty interesting to take a look at other things and metrics like weather, time of day, and the day of the week, um, which really shows how well the park is doing. For park attendance, you can see from this chart that we are continuing to trend upwards. Uh, I believe there was over 300 um, visitors to the park on October 27th alone, which is great. I do want to note that as uh, winter well, winter is here, but as winter as uh, weather gets a little bit worse, uh, more cold and rainy, we do expect to see fewer people in the park. For our holiday festivities, I'm actually very excited for this. Uh, so you should save the date for December 9th, at which point we're going to have a park lighting event. Uh, we've really uh, added to our park lights and are uh, really proud to show off what we've come up with. Uh, the week after that, we have Winterfest 2022, where you'll have some live performances and some really fun activities like face painting and things like that. So again, please mark your calendars. We may have some special guests attending. Uh, as for improvements around the transit center, uh, we recently took advantage of um, some downtime on the bus deck when we were performing some regular maintenance to the bus ramp. And as you can see from this picture, uh, we did a deep cleaning and just really took the time to make sure everything's in tip-top shape. This, uh, these images here um, reflect the new TVM or clipper card machines that were installed yesterday. Um, it may sound like a small thing, but I am very, very excited about this. Um, they are being put online this morning as we speak and will be tested later this afternoon for everybody, including myself and others, to conveniently use. Um, this was very much needed because if you're anything like me, you may forget to put your fare on your clipper card as you're trying to hop on that bus. So a nice level of convenience being added. 
Uh, additionally, as Director Vandewater mentioned, we received our LEED Gold certification and placed decals throughout the Salesforce Transit Center. Also, for an update on wayfinding, as you can see from this image here, we were actually able to demo a prototype app and recently also hit the 50% of the way uh, milestone and we'll be beginning our app development in the next couple weeks as we wrap up our final round of um, feedback and discussions. And the delivery date on that is expected uh, Q2 of 2023. So a lot of exciting things happening. Moving on to transit ridership, uh, the chart that you're seeing here is actually citywide for SFMTA. And you'll wanna call attention to the middle purple line, which is 2022. Uh, right below that in green, you'll see 2021. So you can see we're doing much better, um, actually 191% better, which is fantastic. Uh, however, we are still a ways off, about 42% down uh, from pre-pandemic levels back in 2019 and 2018. Specifically for the Salesforce Transit Center, and I should take a moment to uh, give a shout out to the uh, MTA data team because they put together some really lovely charts for me and I'm very much appreciative of it. Um, these different layers you can see here are actually the different lines that run through the transit center. And similar to the last chart, you can see a bit of a waterfall on the left, uh, which is indicating the pandemic, and then a nice steady rise uh, to where we are now on the far right. So again, we're not where we want to be or could be, but we are trending in the right direction. For other operators at the Transit Center, uh, we've got AC Transit, and this chart here highlights the number of riders per day since uh, February of this year. And you can see here that the trend is going up as people continue to return to work. Below that, we've got a highlight for Westcat, who was uh, hovering right around 12,500 riders for the last several months. But in October, uh, saw a 40% increase in ridership up to 17,000 plus. Uh, we believe that was um, mostly related to their um, free ride promotion that they were putting on. But it's still a good indicator to show the capacity of the system in uh, interested people. Uh, moving on to the next highlight, which involves ridership as well as real estate. JLL Positive reported that since Labor Day, we've seen an increase of 30% uh, plus across major city centers like San Francisco, Boston, Chicago, Washington, D.C., things like that. And uh, what I'm particularly interested in is this um, demand for transit accessible offices, which is remaining strong relative to other sectors. And for our retail leasing updates, I wanted to make sure I make a note of all the folks who are currently open here on the left. And we've got a batch of uh, restaurants uh, opening very soon and I will knock on wood for that. And uh, as well as um, some projections for some restaurants that are gonna be opening uh, ne next year. 
So the uh, first uh, restaurant and uh, establishment I want to call attention to is Bear Bottle. And also, as Director Vanderwater mentioned, we hoisted these uh, containers up onto the park in late October. Picture on the left. Hopefully you did not see that in person because it happened at 3 a.m. Uh, but it was a nice photo op, and uh, we were happy to have no issues bringing those up to the park. Uh, we do expect them to be open within the next month or so, right in time for our park lighting event. So very excited. Next we have Tycoon Kitchen, uh, which is expected to also open within the next month or so. Uh, as you can see, they're, they're pretty much done. They just need to turn one more screen on, it looks like, and uh, finish some ventilation work. On a similar note, we have Charlie's Philly Steaks, which is opening in the next month or so as well. And they're also just uh, fine-tuning some last-minute things and getting their ventilation squared away. Per diem, uh, also opening in the next month or so, is installing their furniture, their last amounts of FF&E. Um, as you can see here on the left, they've got a beautiful new booth that was just installed last week, and their, their bar is undergoing the final touches to really pretty it up. Uh, I wish I got a better picture of it, but they have a very, very cool beer tap, which was uh, handmade using an old antique uh, water heater, which is very cool. So I encourage everyone to stop by, have a beverage, and check out their beautiful space. Last but not least, we've got Via Vi by Aqualina. They're expecting to open in Q1 of 2023. And this top picture shows a beautiful rendering of what they expect the space to look like. And down below, you can see the beginning work, which we expect to be uh, ramping up very soon. On a side note, I will say it's a very interesting concept at Via Vi. They're actually doing a fusion Mexican food and Italian food, which I've never had, but makes so much sense when I think about it. So again, I uh, look forward to seeing everybody there and enjoying their excellent cuisine. And that concludes my presentation. Happy to answer any questions you may have. Directors? Oh. Director Forbes. I have a couple of questions for you. First, thank you for the report. It was very good. Um, in terms of the park and all the activations, what is the uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion program that we have to uh, bring in communities of color, uh, either through um, communications or through partnerships? I just wanted to make sure with all these incredible offerings that everyone's hearing about it. Absolutely. So that's a great question. Uh, we So that... First and foremost, it's always a work in progress. We always want to improve our diversity, equity, inclusion. And we recently finished up a request for proposals uh, and really trying to um, bring as many vendors and performers as we can into the fold. Uh, we've recently gotten some great vendors um, that we didn't have before and we're very excited to get them on board. And really just spreading the I guess I'll call it work, but spreading, spreading all the slots around that we have throughout the day to not only our most popular programs, but also our new and upcoming programs, especially those that are from San Francisco and from the Bay Area. Thank you. One other question regarding ridership. I may have missed it, but how is ridership relative to 2019? 
So we're about 58% of where, and I'm, I'm speaking fairly generally throughout the city, uh, we're about at 58% of what we were in 2019. So we're down 42%. And for AC Transit? Uh, for AC Transit, I think it's, so I don't know specifically, to be very honest with you, um, but I believe it is very similar in the same trend. But friends. okay. They, I will I am a bit of an optimist, but to be positive, they were at about 1,500 riders just as early as January, February, and they're pushing more than 2,500 riders per day these days. So, yeah. positive trend. But. I was going to say, we're, <laughs> we're still down quite a bit. We're still like at the 38% for Transbay. 38, yeah. But it is, it is trending up a little bit. I will say, I think we're seeing a trend of sort of regional resistance to coming back into San Francisco based on uh, habits and uh, preferences that were developed over COVID. Um, but the city is, is, is really trying to incent and bring people back into the city to enjoy what an urban environment has to offer and what the region can provide. So, uh, but there is, there is some stickiness in that return. Absolutely. And, and that's why we really push our, our events and like you mentioned, the diversity and equity and inclusion and just getting as many people down to the transit center as we can regardless of where they're from. Can I make a comment? I, I also um, wanted to mention from an AC Transit point of view, um, because of the diversity and equity, we're also focusing more on local service these days. And so that's also, I, I think our ridership would go up if we were able to bring more Transbay lines back because we still have several that we haven't brought back. But because of the whole issue with what we need locally, we are focused locally right now and focused on reliability, along with the issue with staffing and bus drivers. And as we're all facing that issue of not having enough drivers to bring back more service, that's making a difference as well. Thank you. Such helpful context. Very. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Is that it? Executive Director? I was only going to add a little bit of uh, detail, which is it really depends both on the provider and the day of the week. So in the Salesforce Transit Center area, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are the current work week. You get a lot of hybrid employee work on those days and a lot of activation in the park. Um, Monday is probably our quietest, quietest day, followed by Friday. Um, but I did want to encourage anybody listening. It is a beautiful environment and a well-programmed and safe and vibrant place to be. Um, so I personally enjoy coming there and uh, in between meetings, going to lunch, you'll see live music, you'll see the Toddler Tuesdays, you'll see comedy shows, you'll see uh, uh, silent discos and, and operas and bird walks and all sorts of things depending on the day of the week. Um, and it's a really exciting contrast of downtown nature and community all in one location. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and now are, we ready? now we are ready for public comment on the executive director's report. And if there's public comment in the room, please stand up and line up. And it looks like we don't have none in the room. Here. Uh, moderator, can you uh, confirm? Yes, we have a member of the public uh, online that would like to speak to you. Can you let uh, the caller through? Caller, please state your name. You have two minutes for your comments. Good morning, Directors Rollins and Plan San Jose. And first thing I want to bring to your attention is that the uh, the callers on the phone didn't have any audio for the first five minutes of the meeting. We end up if somebody could look into this. 
Um, but something, some sound is breaking in there. I don't know what's causing this. Um, the thing I want to touch on is uh, the very encouraging news we received from uh, Mr. Van der Waal um, about the funding. The, the audio is just not working. I don't know if it's working for you. It's not working for me. Um, specifically, I want to attract your attention to the um, NTC full commission meeting on October 26, agenda item 13A, which on page nine, which shows a $6.5 billion cost for the DTX with a $4.2 billion funding gap. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about MAP and how to advance the DTX to MAP level one, and I believe the solution I'm still having problems with the audio here. The problem is the solution on page 41 of the same report, which says when changes to cost funding, scope of schedule occur, that will warrant a level requirement Project sponsor or MTC may include a request to review the project level assignment. A detailed process for initiating, reviewing, and adopting changes to project level will be adopted into the map at the next update. Thank you. Thank you. Little technical difficulties, um, but for the most part, that worked out okay. That completes members of the public that wanted to speak to you under that item. Right. We'll go ahead and move into your next item. Yep. All right. Uh, the uh, next item on your calendar is item six. Uh, well, I guess I should turn my mic on. All right. Uh, all right. Next uh, item on your calendar. That concludes members of the public that wanted to comment under the uh, ED report. The next item on your calendar is item six, uh, the CAC update. And we have the CAC chair, Brian Larkin, uh, who will address you on this item. Good morning. Good morning, directors. I am Brian Larkin, chairman of the CAC in the flesh. And today I'm reporting on the CAC meeting of last Tuesday, the 8th of November. Our agenda included a staff report, approval of the CAC meeting minutes of September 6th, a facility operations update, and downtown rail extension work plan schedule update. Adam Vanderveer, pardon me, and Adam Vanderwater. I have trouble with Dutch names, <laughs> <laughs> historically. You know. uh, he provided this, the staff's report on their activities since our September meeting. Most of what he said was to be covered in more detail later in our agenda, so the committee members, the CAC members, held off with their questions and further discussion until that point in the those points in the meeting. Our own Andrew Robinson presented for the East Cut Community Benefit District on Neighborhood Development. Other CAC members, I should go back, Andrew Robinson is a member of the CAC, just to clarify that point. Other CAC members asked about the number of units of BMR below market rate housing, the schedule for delivery, and whether there was local resistance to the permitting new housing in the area. Um, other members spoke positive, positively of the addition of more open space for recreation and an affordable subsidized food market. Rodney Harris, who spoke previously, provided a quarterly update on security. He provided detail on the division of responsibility among contract security force, SFPD, and first responders. 
there was a question about the level of security coverage during different times of operation of the center, but we couldn't get that information because it might fall into the wrong hands. And we, of course, support his concern about that. Um, R.E. Walsh, who just spoke, gave the facility updates. CAC members asked about the location of the two new clipper card vending machines, which now you know, and the LEED certification process and cert certification level. And finally, Alfonso Rodriguez gave the DTX work plan schedule update. The subsequent discussion concerned MTC's rating of the project vis-a-vis -vis the BART to downtown San Jose extension and the status of commitment of matching funds required to participate in the FTA's accelerated work plan. That covers our agenda. If there are any questions, I'm here to answer them. Otherwise, I'll look forward to reporting next month. Thank you, Chair Larkin. Um, do we have any comments or questions from directors? Seeing none, we should take public comment. We will try and see if there are members of the public uh, in the room or online. It does not appear that there's any member of the public online that wishes to comment. Moderator, can you confirm? I think that was a confirmation. Was that a confirmation? Thank you very much. Okay. All right. We'll go ahead and move into your next item. Thank you, Chair Larkin. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, item seven is a public comment for members of the public to address the authority on matters that are not on today's calendar. Uh, directors, I am not aware of anyone that wishes to do so. They have an opportunity to do so now if they're in the room. Uh, we do have a member of the public online that would like to comment under this item. All right, moderator, if you can go ahead and let the caller through, and please do not mute the WebEx. Hi, caller, please state your name. Your two minutes begins now. Uh, thanks again, um, uh, Commissioner Stroll, Enterprise San Jose. Um, I'm trying to figure out whether this is the correct um, item to bring this up because it was not discussed. Uh, I continue to have audio difficulties here. Uh, it was not discussed uh, under the CEC report, and um, I don't see it under item number 13. There is no presentation. Uh, the thing I want to bring to your attention, if you look at the accelerated work plan, there are some serious sequels and NEPA issues, specifically that the project has changed since the 2019 supplemental EIR. Um, there are two issues. Initially, uh, we were supposed to be mining on the Howard. We said 12 years ago that was not gonna work. Guess what? That's exactly what happened. We're no longer mining on the Howard. We're gonna be digging a huge, humongous crater on Second Street and Howard. The second issue is that the third track was removed. That third track is what made the 7th Street alignment not viable. The third track is gone. The second street alignment needs to be revisited because this is the only alignment that makes it possible to restore the full length of the uh, platform. And that concludes my remarks. Thank you. Thank you. That does conclude members of the public that wanted to address you under that item. All right. 
go ahead and move into your next item. Uh, directors, your next item is the consent calendar. All matters would, uh, listed are considered to be routine and will be acted upon by a single vote. There would be no separate discussion of the items unless a member of the board or the public so requests, in which event the um, uh, matter would be uh, removed from the consent calendar and considered separately. Um, uh, directors, um, shall I go ahead and um, call your items? All right. <laughs> Making sure no one wanted to sever. Okay. Um, and I've not received any indication that a member of the public um, uh, wants to comment on the item. So your items are item 8.1, approving the minutes of the September 8th, 2022 meeting. Item 8.2, approving the continued use of teleconferencing technologies for COVID health related reasons for me meetings of the legislative bodies of the TJPA pursuant to the provisions of Assembly Bill 361 and electing not to rely on teleconferencing provisions of AB 2449. And item 8.3, approving the updated uh, versions of the um, financial policies, board policy number 14, capitalization policy, and board policy number 17, debt management policy, and the annual review of board policy nine, investment policy. All right. Thank you, Director Shaw. Is there a second? Second, Tumlin. All right, with the first and the second, Director Forbes. Aye. Forbes, aye. Director John Baptiste. Aye. John Baptiste, aye. Director Lipkin. Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Shaw. Aye. Shaw, aye. Director Tumlin. Aye. Tumlin, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. The consent calendar is approved. Shall I go ahead and call your next item? All right. Director's item nine is approving the recommended applicant to serve as a member of the TJPA Citizens Advisory Committee to fill the vacant local resident district six seat. And Lily Magis Wu, Communications and Legislative Affairs Director, will present the item. Good morning, directors. It's nice to see you all in person. Uh, Lily Magiswu, Communications and Legislative Affairs Director. As noted in your packet, we have three um, Citizens Advisory Committee seats open due to recent resignations for the following seats. Member with expertise in real estate development or real estate finance, daily AC transit rider into San Francisco, and then the local resident seat of D6, District 6. Um, since the first two seats will be up for full-term recruitment in January 2023, we are only recommending filling the midterm local resident from District 6 seat. In reviewing the applications received from our recent 2022 recruitment efforts, we found three applicants who had checked the local resident from D6 seat. Um, after reviewing those applications, staff is recommending the Board of Directors appoint Natasha Patterson as a new member to fill the local resident from District 6 seat. Natasha has joined us this morning, and she's here in case you have any questions or would like to hear her speak, and I'm also happy to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. Thank you. Are there uh, any questions for Ms. Pat Patterson? Director I don't, I don't have any questions, but I want to comment that I, I think this will be a great addition to the team, and I look forward to all of your contributions. I'm always excited to see Yaley's doing well, so. All right. Um, so the, is there a uh, motion to approve this item? Oh, we have to take public comment. Yes, yes. We'll check to see if there's public comment before that. Uh, anyone in the room wishing to provide public comment on the item? Seeing none, anyone online uh, looking to comment on item nine? Seeing none. All right, is there a motion to approve? I make a motion to approve. Moved by Forbes. Second. Second. Oh. Race. You've already seconded. We're seconding <laughs> by, uh, by Jean-Baptiste. Um, uh, please call the roll. All right, the first and the second, uh, Director Forbes. Aye. 
Forbes, aye. Director John Baptiste, aye. John Baptiste, aye. Director Lipkin, aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Shaw, aye. Shaw, aye. Director Tumlin, aye. Tumlin, aye. And Vice Chair Mandelman, aye. Mandelman, aye. As well. Item nine is approved. Shall Thank I call you. your next item? Welcome. Welcome. All right. Thank you. Directors, welcome, Natasha. Directors, item 10 is authorizing the executive director to transfer $9.5 million from program reserve to replenish the construction contingency to allow for continued closeout efforts under the construction manager general contractor contract with Web Corbyashi with no change to the phase one construction estimate at completion, which remain which would remain $2.159 billion. And Dennis Churchon, phase one senior construction manager, will present. Good morning, directors. First time to say that in person, you know, for quite a long time. But uh, I do not have a presentation for this. Uh, it, as, as stated, uh, this is just an administrative uh, program reserve transfer uh, from one bucket to the other so we can continue our efforts uh, for the phase one closeout. If there's any questions, I can more than happy to address them or we'll have more later in the uh, closed session. Questions? Comments? Nope. Let's open this right. up to public comment. Uh, looking for public comment on item 10, seeing none in the room. I'm checking online, giving them a moment in case they wish to raise their hand. There's no public comment on item 10. Great. Public comment on item 10 is closed. Is there a motion to approve? I'll move the item, Lipkin. Moved by Lipkin, seconded by, seconded by Tumlin. <laughs> <laughs> Tumlin, second. Please call the roll. All right, first and second. Uh, Director Forbes. Aye. Forbes, aye. Director John Baptiste. Aye. John Baptiste, aye. Director Lipkin. Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Shaw. Aye. Shaw, aye. Director Tumlin. Aye. Tumlin, aye. And Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye as well. Item 10 is approved. Shall I go ahead and call your next item? Please do. All right. Directors, item 11 is adopting board policy number 21, capital improvement plan policy, and approving updated board policy number 12, reserve policy, and Oscar Quintanilla, budget and procurement director, will present. Welcome. Good morning, directors. It's really nice to be here in person to you all. Um, the item before you today, uh, this morning, adopts a new board policy and an amendment to the existing reserve policy. The goal of the capital improvement plan policy is to guide staff to ensure that the TJPA's assets are maintained in a state of good repair, enhance both near-term and long-term financial planning, and identify projects that would enhance TJPA's assets. Uh, the CAP policy provides a framework um, for developing and updating the CAP, including goals and evaluation criteria to prioritize projects. The CAP will include a list of fiscally constrained projects for near-term implementation that will inform the annual budget, as well as fiscally unconstrained projects, such as the pedestrian connector to BART Muni and the inner city bus facility. Under the policy, the CAP will have a 20-year um, planning horizon to ensure both staff and the board are aware of and can plan for potentially very large capital replacement needs. Our plan is to present a draft CAP to the board in April or May next year, coordinated with the annual budget and bring a proposed CAP and capital budget for adoption in June. In 2020, this board also established a capital replacement reserve to pay for necessary periodic major maintenance and life cycle expenditures. Um, the amendment to the policy established a goal of funding this reserve at a level that covers seven years of major capital repair and maintenance 
and clarifies that uses of this reserve will be authorized by the board through the annual budget process. In your packet, you'll find the clean and red line version of the amendment to the reserve policy as well as the proposed CIP policy. This concludes my remarks and I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you for your report. Are there any comments or questions from directors? Director Jean-Baptiste. Um, not so much a question as a comment. I appreciate you all putting this together. I think it's really wise to do this and um, looking forward to the plan itself. Um, I do want to just reiterate my concern that we have not updated the operating and maintenance reserve policy, which I just started to think about again because we're talking about the reserve policy. And at some point, it is concerning that we remain out of compliance with the policy, and I would just would be interested in understanding how we either plan to reach compliance or consider changing the policy, um, because at some point, it just becomes a little bit meaningless. But that is a little bit tangential to this. It was just on my mind as we talk about reserves. And if I may respond through the chair, we are in the middle of closing out fiscal year 22, and we will bring an update to you in January. But at this point, we are confident that we can fully fund the O&M reserve. So we'll bring that update to you um, after we look at our actual expenditures and revenues for the year. Um, there's still some concerns on what happens with RM3, uh, but we, we feel confident that we can fully fund the O&M reserve, still have some way to plan for that uncertainty of RM3 moving forward. But um, we'll hear from us in January. That's great news. Thank you. Thank you. Let's see if we have public comment. All right. Uh, we Do we have any members of the public in the room that would like to provide public comment? All right. Seeing none, it uh, looks like we have a member on the line that would like to provide public comment. Moderator, can you please let the caller in? Caller, can you please state your name? Your two minutes begins now. The Board of... Uh Board of uh, the Board of the Transbay Joint Powers Authority. I'm interested uh, in first. Uh, it has been mentioned uh, by the person who's standing on the podium that he has to update certain information. Uh, you board members uh, should be aware that very few people are participating in the deliberations. Uh, I used to, uh, and I stopped, because uh, subjectively speaking, I don't see um, full transparency and accountability. Uh, this project uh, uh, has stalled, has not delivered what the constituents of San Francisco want. But the reason I'm, uh, I, I watch our programs, I don't call in. The reason I'm calling in is that if you do not provide the community with the right type of information, the empirical data, we are not going to call in and just rubber stamp what you all rubber stamp. I see a lot of changes on the board, but the bottom line is this. A lot of taxpayers' money has gone into this project. Uh, I hope uh, you all will tap into the infrastructure bill. Ten seconds. I hope if uh, 
The Republicans come in, they don't hinder anything. They've had a good run. But having the good run, they haven't delivered. You haven't delivered to the constituent. And we do want accountability and transparency. And you all can make some effort by having this on your website. Uh, I have qualified experience in horizontal and vertical construction. I ran the Presidio, and I keep a watch. And I know some of you all very well. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, that does conclude members of the public that wanted to comment on that item. All right. Uh, public comment on item 11 is closed. Um, is there a motion to approve? To approve? Make a motion to approve. Moved by Forbes. Is there a second? Second Tumlin. Seconded by Tumlin. Jumping in there. Uh, please call the roll, Madam Secretary. Yes, Vice Chair Mandelman. Uh, with that, Director Forbes. Aye. Forbes, aye. Director John Baptiste. Aye. John Baptiste, aye. Director Lipkin. Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Shaw. Aye. Shaw, aye. Director Tumlin. Aye. Tumlin, aye. And Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye as well. That uh, item 11 is approved. Shall I call your next item? All right. Directors, item 12 is approving an update to board policy number 13, authorities relating to administration of real property, authorizing the executive director to exercise certain authorities relating to the administration of real property for the Transbay program. And Anna Harvey, deputy project director, will present. Good morning, Vice Chair Mandelman and directors. Existing board policy 13, or authorities relating to administration of real property, was adopted by this board back in 2008. As we begin our due diligence efforts associated with commencing phase two and DTX acquisitions uh, 14 years later, staff have reviewed the policy with an eye towards identifying opportunities to improve it. Those opportunities are summarized as one, streamlining real estate operations, so to relieve the board from day-to-day -day responsibilities, two, aligning the policy with existing federal, state, and local regulations that we anticipate will govern the phase two acquisitions and relocations, and three, to modestly increase the executive director's authority for certain payments. The DTX team is currently finalizing the Real Estate Acquisition Management Plan, or RAMP, and an update to TJPA real estate policy um, or existing board policy 13 is timely as the two refer to each other and are cross-referenced. So similar to the prior item, um, the clean and red line versions are in the packet. This concludes my brief remarks, and staff are available to field any questions related to this item. Thank you. Thank you. Um, do we have any comments or questions from the board? No. All right, let's uh, open this up to public comment. All right, uh, there's an opportunity for members of the public to provide comment on this item, seeing none in the room, checking online. Confirming that no members of the public want to comment on this item. Great. Uh, public comment um, on item 12 is closed. Is there a motion to approve item 12? Motion to I Moved by Shaw. Was second. Seconded by Jean-Baptiste. Madam, uh, Madam Secretary, please call the roll. I'll do. With that, uh, uh, for item 12, uh, Director Forbes. Aye. Forbes, aye. Director Jean-Baptiste. Aye. I'm up to East I, Director Lipkin. Aye. Lipkin I, Director Shaw. Aye. Shaw I, Director Tumlin. Aye. Tumlin I, and Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman I as well. Item 12 is approved. Should I call your next item? 
Please do. All right. Directors, item 13 is the San Francisco Peninsula Rail Program Executive Steering Committee update and status of the DTX work plan schedule. And Tilly Chang, ESC Vice Chair, will present, uh, provide the update, and she'll be followed by Alfonso Rodriguez, Project Director, who would provide the status of the schedule. Great. Thank you. Good morning, directors. I'm pleased to be here this morning in behalf of the ESC Chair, Michelle Bouchard, uh, who couldn't be here today to provide an update on the two most recent Executive Steering Committee meetings. At our September meeting, we received a presentation on the framework for the development of the DTX Project Delivery Strategy Implementation Roadmap. Uh, now, this roadmap builds on the project delivery recommendations approved by the board in July to identify the key up upcoming activities for pr procurement of the project. Last month, at our October Executive Steering Committee meeting, we received a presentation on the DTX work plan for the FTA engineering phase of the project. Uh, these are activities during the six-month period between uh, next February's planned submission to requesting entry to that engineering phase uh, through August, when TJPA expects to submit the request for uh, FTA grant funding. During this time frame, the work plan describes coordination with FTA and the newly assigned project management oversight consultant, as Executive Director Vanderwater mentioned earlier. This PMOC um, oversight consultant will work with the project team and with FTA staff to assess project readiness, uh, delivery plans, third-party agreements, and pre-procurement work. And concurrently, the FTA will appoint a financial management oversight consultant who will review the plan, um, plan to fund construction as well as operations and maintenance, including consideration of both TJPA and Caltrain uh, financial situations. Now, DTX projector Alfonso, Alfonso Rodriguez will provide more details in the work plan uh, momentarily. Uh, but just for now, our, our next meeting is November, and the ESC will consider an update to the DTX rebranding strategy, reflecting uh, guidance from the board in September. Uh, we will also receive a presentation on the DTX quantitative risk assessment, uh, which is evaluating the project's level of design development, various risks, and the likelihood and impact of those risks occurring. This assessment will be used in our work ahead to develop project contingency levels that are appropriate for the project budget. Um, and lastly, on behalf of the ESC, uh, I want to offer congratulations to the ch uh, our chair, Michelle Bouchard, who was appointed last week by Caltrain as their um, first dedicated executive director. Uh, we look forward, of course, to working with her and her team to deepen our multi-agency partnership uh, along the Peninsula Corridor uh, as they complete electrification and, and as we look ahead to delivery of the full DTX. And with that, I'm happy to take any questions or uh, invite Alfonso to come present the TJPA board look ahead. Thank you, Tilly. Uh, Vice Chair Mandelman and uh, directors, I'm happy to be here in person. So we do have a few slides, so why don't we get them up on the screen, and then if we could advance to the second slide, please. You're going to do it. Oh, I'm doing it. That's right. We're in person. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> All right. All right, we'll start with this one then. I think you've seen this one before. It shows our activities that started a few years ago and, and continues. Um, as shown in the 2022 timeframe, though, we're presently in the project development phase of the Federal Transit Administration, or FTA grant and, um, capital investment grant, New Starts program. And we just wrapped up our preliminary engineering on 30% design. 
We're also nearing completion of the documentation required to request entry into the next phase of the grant program. In February of 2023, we will make two separate requests of FTA. The first is requesting entry into the engineering phase of the grant program, and I'll talk about that a little bit further in, in, this, in these next few slides. We'll also demonstrate, we, we will also uh, need to demonstrate commitment of 30% of our local share at that time. In the second request, um, we will be requesting FTA's grant rating. Now, FTA employs a rating approach in the evaluation of grant awards recommendations. Now, next year in August, we will submit documentation and response to FTA's annual call for grant funding submissions. This leads to another assessment of our project eligibility. At that time, we will need to demonstrate commitments of 50% of our local share for that grant. Now, assuming success in, the full, in securing our full local share of that grant, we will work with FTA towards securing our full funding grant agreement, and it's expected in the spring of 2025. Then, with that in hand, we'll expect to start construction in 2025. So, in the next couple of uh, slides, I'll focus on the period, as uh, uh, Vice Chair um, Chang pointed out, between February and August of next year, where we'll engage extensively with the FTA and the assigned PMOC. And they'll be reviewing and assessing our project readiness in the documentation that we submit and uh, provide observations on our eligibility to secure uh, funding recommendation leading to a grant agreement. Now this review of the documents I mentioned um, will include our submitted project cost schedule and project management plans and the 20-year financial plan. They'll also be looking at um, our contingency. During this time frame, we'll also focus on pre-procurement activities, specifically preparing those solicitation level documents uh, for enabling works, the progressive design build contract, and the uh, construction manager general contractor contracts. I wanted to talk a little bit about procurement, and I'll um, just really cover the larger contracts that we anticipate. The first one is uh, creating a construction manager bench for that advanced enabling works contracts. Those include utility relocation, site demolition, and any work that's required over at the uh, DTX, uh, 4th and King rail yard to enable DTX. The next contract that we see being released, or the RFP being released, is a program management project controls contract. The current contract expires in June of 2024, so we'll be expect to release an RFQ uh, in the third quarter of 23 or fourth quarter, excuse me. The next contract, um, and this is, like I said, as we've been able to, as we're able to secure funding, is the prog progressive design bill contract. And that would be for the large excavation, civil tunneling, heavy civil works. And then at present, we're um, developing our cost and schedule to assume two separate CMGC contracts. Now. We will have a further industry sounding at the beginning of next year that will help us inform whether it continues to make sense to have two separate CMGC contracts or one. But at present, we're planning on two. All right, I thought it would be helpful to show a few images that our architect at the, for the Salesforce Transit Station has uh, developed. I don't think we've presented these to the board before. This one shows the platform level. Um, if you recall, we have three platforms, six tracks. This is the middle of those three platforms. Um, 
anticipating to serve California high-speed rail. What I wanted to point out is that the architect is trying to mimic the experience that our patrons have when they visit the Salesforce Transit Center all the way into the Salesforce, uh, into the station box. So this is down at the platform level, the low, lowest level of the station. This is the uh, uh, lower concourse, otherwise known as the mezzanine level, and this is what our rendering um, predicts it will look like. And again, it tries to bring that light and airy feeling into the station box. Okay, so I wanted to also talk a bit about our work streams. I've shown this in the past to the board, and what we've developed in that time frame between February and August, um, in that period where we engage with FTA extensively, are the work streams that involve our design and risk management work that'll continue, um, the scheduling and cost and funding plan refinement. So we will submit in February our first uh, submission, but we will have a refinement in working with FTA. Then, of course, all the third-party agreements with um, those agencies having jurisdiction, specific coordination with FTA PMO, and then right-of-way work, recognizing that actual right-of-way acquisition is funding dependent. And finally, I've got um, the slide that shows those presentations and actions we will seek of this board uh, next year. And I won't go through them all separately. This can change. Um, it'll change on our progress, change on our funding ability. But I thought it would be helpful to show this body what we would be coming back for, for, for your action. That concludes my presentation. If you've got any questions, I'd be happy to answer them. Colleague, thank you. Colleagues, Director Lipkin. Uh, thank you for both for the presentation. Uh, Alfonso, I just wanted to go back to, I think it was on slide four, you were talking about the uh, program management and program controls contract, and I know that one's been around for a long time, and, and uh, at least I'm trying to put it together in my mind of it ends June 2024, we have the procurement starting in Q4 of 2023, is that enough time to facilitate a transition? Just because we're going through this process right now on the high-speed rail side of switching out a major contractor, and it's taken some time to go through the procurement process, negotiate an actual agreement, and then actually have some overlap between the two as there's a lot of handover, a lot of institutional knowledge to pass on. And so I guess I'm just wondering if we have enough time uh, built into the schedule with a Q4 start uh, for that procurement. You bring up a good point, and obviously from direct experience. So um, I think what we'll do is work with our procurement team and really sketch this out. I, I think these dates, as you probably have noted, really looks more towards the actual procurement activity. But again, with all the institutional knowledge that exists on the current team, we need to take that into account. Yeah, I, I was just a little more time, if that's possible. Director Tumlin. Uh, Alfonso, I'm sure uh, you know that many of us hope that this project will be the first phase of a multi-phase project that would continue east out of the transit center to the East Bay and onward to Sacramento. Um, we had talked before about the potential utility of um, extending out of the train box in an earlier phase uh, and, and how that might actually be able to create some cost savings in the construction of this project by adding tail tracks um, east of the center. Um, I believe, and I hope you will um, uh, trigger my memory, that the, the findings of that were suggested that there was no cost savings of trying to add a tail track east of the existing center. 
But at the same time, I'm also realizing that the next couple of years um, will demonstrate um, that downtown office buildings are going to be cheaper than they have been in decades. <laughs> and so I do, I just wonder what your thoughts are about the possibility of looking at, and I believe the office building that is in the way of an eastward extension is, is it 160 Spear? It's, it's an 80s style office building. What is it? 201 Mission? Is that, okay. Uh, regardless, um, I just, I wonder if there is any opportunity to be thinking about um, what we might be doing now um, in order to advance an eastward extension or if we're getting way too far ahead of ourselves and also do not have the cash now. Well, certainly. Um, one of the, I think what you're referring to is the shortening of a train box extension to the east that we presented to this board under what was known as the phasing study. And we were successful in, sh um, in looking at the requirement, uh, looking at the ability to reduce those tracks, I think you're calling them tail tracks, uh, in reducing the box. It did really yield a substantial amount of savings, um, working with our operators to make sure that, that that's, we can do that. However, around that same time, we were working with the Link 21 entity to, just, to see how that would impact a potential run-through for an East Bay connection. And um, we continue to do that. So the shortening of the box does not prohibit a future extension. Um, we are awaiting, though, for the results of their technical study to see how they could access the east end of our station box. I think publicly, you know, they're talking about it more vividly. But we are working with them from an engineering level just to see how that might happen. We as a project team, though, are doing nothing to preclude an extension up from the east end. Uh, we're being very careful in our design to not preclude that. I don't know if that answers your question, though, but I thought it might be helpful to explain what we are doing. And yes, so I understand that, that, that you are not doing anything to preclude that eastward extension. My question is really, should we be thinking about doing anything in order to facilitate that eastward extension? Right. And is there anything that we could be doing now that might actually save costs? Um, well, we continue to look at the project in our, in our development always with value engineering to save costs. We always have an eye on that. Um, the coordination that we have with Link 21, though, is that we're so far ahead of them. So when I say that we're doing nothing to preclude them, it's really because we have nothing from them to show us what they need other than, you know, just... Um, well, one thing in particular, though, has to do with the vehicles because our station box is not rated for the battery vehicles um, in, the, in the current predictive um, heat generation or energy generation of a battery vehicle fire. So we are working actively with them through the state to determine what those ratings might be to see what, how those impacts, uh, what those impacts might be on our subterranean stations. So there, there's a few different forums where we're working with them, but we're so far ahead of Link 21, it's, kind of hard to react to a proposal that at this level of development. Yeah, understood. Thank you. Executive Director, oh, Director Lipkin. Sorry, I was just going to jump in and suggest that maybe it's a conversation worth having about, I mean, you're essentially suggesting whether ultimately bringing in some scope from Link 21 into this program earlier could have net societal benefits. And I, I don't know that Alfonso and his team are so focused on delivery that they're going to be the, the right place to ask that question because that's, you know, you're going to get the answer, which is the right answer of we have a, we have a scope and we got to go deliver that thing. And so 
Um, I do think it's an interesting question. I guess I just wonder what the venue is to have that conversation, because we don't know from Link21, are they committed to coming to the transit center? Do they want to come in from the east? If that's, is the technology compatible? If you have those answers, then you can more coherently say, oh, maybe there is an opportunity, or maybe there isn't. At least that's my, my two cents on it. And so maybe it's another conversation that we should have with that <laughs> a different lens on the question. Um, and perhaps this is more a question for the director, which is uh, what what are our plans for helping to facilitate the Link 21 project and to guide it? Because I believe that project is, in fact, looking for guidance um, from this body as well as uh, San Francisco and other key constituents. Through the chair, my understanding of the Link 21 project is they have committed to coming out of the east end of the Salesforce Transit Center in a recent public meeting and at their board meeting just in the last few months. Um, but the alignment of that, um, whether it goes straight to the bay, curves towards Main Street, goes to Alameda, goes to Oakland, has not yet been determined, nor has the gauge of that rail. In particular, for us, of course, it would be conventional gauge rail, which is Caltrain and high-speed rail, not rather than BART, but they're looking at a lot of different options um, to facilitate that, which to me suggests that the acquisition of real property until they've made those decisions seems a little premature. But I did also want to say we have some real property acquisition as uh, – referenced earlier in the agenda with our, our real estate uh, uh, amendments to our policies along the existing DTX corridor where we could um, take advantage of some of the potential savings that you suggest. Um, but we are in regular coordination with Link 21 um, and look forward to the longer-term vision where we have uh, Caltrain and high-speed rail in the basement and then the opportunity to connect across the bay and whatever configuration works for the many operators. Um, and that's both from the east to the west and from the west to the east. Thank you, Executive Director. Um, can I get caught up on the cost? Um, how much did we save by the shortening of the of the rail? The the uh, shortening of the, the reduction of the station box by the taking the, the we we had the rail the, the rail going towards the bay a little further right. we pulled it in and that was a, a value engineering solution I believe to keep us in the four to five billion dollar range right I'm going to say a couple hundred million was what we were it, talking it, about a couple of things and then I'll have to see if Alfonso can answer your question a little more directly one uh, we haven't done a complete uh, bottom-up cost estimate for the downtown rail extension since 2016 we've been carrying uh, to this board and in the public a rough uh, order of magnitude cost estimate of five billion dollars to accomplish that scope um, we're in the midst of a, an update to that cost estimate um, through our general uh, engineering consultant and then peer reviewing that number uh, we expect to have that number in the uh, the next two to three months um, and you know our expectation is major capital infrastructure projects like this nationally internationally are suffering from cost of time and materials and and are increasing so our expectation is that that number does go up um, but it's so not as a result of change point, in scope and so where's the 6.5 billion dollar Number. The $6.5 billion number referenced by the caller earlier was our um, effort for the MTC in particular to include the uh, sunk cost, literally, of the train box and mezzanine beneath the Salesforce Transit Center, which at the time, and then including the cost of escalation to today's uh, cost, is about a $1.4 billion um, investment that has no independent utility separate from DTX. That has already buses there. Made. Interesting. Sorry? So that has already been made. So that, that's has not, already been and made. that is not an escalate. We are not 
Correct. Saying we we are not giving we we are currently looking to um, fill a four to five billion dollar. I mean that's what the project is. we think the project going forward as of yet is although you are looking at the cost escalation. Right. The last time I asked about this, we were hoping to keep it under five, and we don't know exactly where we're going to land. And of course, the longer we take, the more expensive it'll be. Correct. So the the major project advancement policy at the MTC looked at total project costs and uh, committed costs towards that total project cost to, as a way of rank ordering the projects. Their effort is to try to finish projects that are underway and nearing the finish line, things like Caltrain electrification, BART core capacity, um, and then to invest in the projects that are in an advanced state of readiness with committed funds. So they had two categories, those that had 50% or more of their funds committed and those that had 30% or more of their funds committed. The addition of the $1.4 billion for the existing train box helped solidify the downtown rail extension projects um, qualification at the 30% or more. It gives us about 40 to 45% committed between okay. the funds we have on hand and the investment that we've made in the future of DTX to be a level two priority under MTC. As per the Federal Transit Administration and the cost of the project, the project still remains an estimated $5 billion to do the tunnel and the station fit out uh, to bring trains into that basement. And that's the number that we'll be looking to update and bring back to you in the coming months. Got it. That helps. Director Jean-Baptiste. Oh, I just want to compliment you for including that sunk cost because I think we sometimes forget about it when it's not in front of us, but it is a huge investment, and you are totally correct. It does not have utility unless it actually gets used for trains. So thank you. <laughs> um, and so the target then that we think that we are aiming for for this August submission next year is still a local match of $1.5 But that could be impacted by the by the cost work that you're doing now or not that's correct so for for the fta there are two significant milestones ahead for the agency one is in february um, when we seek a, a request to enter engineering where we have to have 30 percent of the non-capital investment grant cig funds committed and that is a fairly hard number which we think um, particularly if uh, uh, the momentum behind proposition l continues and that is certified as approved that we can make very soon thereafter, six months thereafter in August, we have to get 50% of this non-CAG funds or about $1.5 billion by current cost estimates. Um, the good news there is the FTA allows us to include both committed and budgeted. Um, and by budgeted, it means uh, things that are in an approved plan that are in the time window of, um, of the project. So there are a number of different pathways that we get to that. Um, and we've presented to you in the past other things like the Regional Measure 3, which has been adopted by the voters and is awaiting uh, release from the state Supreme Court under challenge and things that we can uh, apply to meet that goal. Um, that is the challenge. And, and you hear us reference subject to funding dependency. There's a large body of technical um, work that we are proceeding with regardless, um, but there will become a point sometime midpoint 2023 uh, where we will or will not be the recipient of some of these funds, and that'll be the determining factor whether we can meet that goal uh, in August. Okay, and it seems like... Oh. I was just going to ask if Alfonso Rodriguez wanted to say anything else about the train box extension. Oh sure, yeah. In the phase, I found it uh, in the phasing study. It, it would the reduction, uh, the reduced train box extension would 
deliver a capital cost savings of $133 million, and that's measured in, in 2027 dollars. All right. Well, now seems like an appropriate moment to um, express our gratitude to the voters of San Francisco who we think have um, renewed our uh, half-cent sales tax uh, with fingers crossed. And, um, you know, there are many, 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 many important things in that measure um, uh, for many different transit agencies, not just Director Tumlin's. But, um, but, um, but certainly it is important for Director Tumlin's, um, and it is, uh, and it is the, and the largest single item in that in that measure is the um, is three hundred million dollars for this project, which continues to you know um, uh, represent San Francisco's significant contribution um, to making this happen, and uh, you know I think it's we hope a shared commitment of the region, and I guess we're going to figure that out in the next year. Um, but uh, you know we, it is important for San Francisco. It is also important for. Northern California and the entire Bay Area, and um, so we look forward to everybody else stepping up and um, and uh, pulling that together. And thank you, Executive Director Vandewater, for the work you and your team are going to be doing to wrestle it all up yeah. and get all the commitments by um, by your by your deadlines next year. Um, and I guess if if you could maybe just update also, given for, for the for all the for the San Franciscans who are contributing so much to this project, um, just how the sort of the, the work that's being done to coordinate um, uh, between our San Francisco Transportation Authority and and the TJPA to sort of ensure that going forward, San Franciscans' dollars are being uh, well spent. Absolutely, thank you for that question, Chair. The a project of this magnitude and um, interdependency does require uh, a village to deliver um, and we're uh, happy to have the Rail Peninsula Program MOU which is um, not only the representation of this board but also our executive steering committee and our integrated project management team which brings uh, representation from uh, the two operators Caltrain and high-speed rail from uh, the city and county from the county transportation authority uh, from the Metropolitan Transportation Commission so we have all eyes on the technical and the um, policy and planning and legal uh, so that we can get this right um, this project is uh, is a pretty significant interconnection for a lot of um, rail agencies, which is why it's been a regional priority for some decades now. Um, it's not only an extension of Caltrain into the heart of downtown, where the majority of riders want to uh, originate and, and are destined, um, but it'll be the northern terminus for high-speed rail, and as been, has been mentioned, is the opportunity to bring conventional gauge rail through downtown as part of a Link 21 connection to the East Bay. So there's been a long-held vision, which includes uh, other projects in the bay to ring the, the bay with rail so that um, there are seamless, uh, sustainable, convenient one-seat rides around the region. Um, and if you're out there on the, the streets these days, you realize that importance, um, even with uh, hybrid work environment, our, our roads are, are congested and there's need for this type of investment to ensure the long-term prosperity and sustainability of our region. So um, this is the, uh, a key link and a key part um, of the region to kind of facilitate that effort uh, going forward. Thank you, Executive Director Vandewater. Um, let's open, if there aren't we're good? Okay, uh, let's uh, open this up to public comment. All right, uh, are there members of the public in the room that would like to address the board on this item? 
Seeing none, I do see we have a member of the public online. Moderator, please let the caller in. Caller, please state your name. Your two minutes begins now. Thank you. This is Roland O'Brien, San Jose. I hope that you can hear me clearly. Yes. Um, thank you for the conversation. And thank you, Mr. Tomlin, for bringing up the um, issue of the train box extension. Now, the last figure I saw for the extension was $400 million, not $133. But the question is, what are we going to be doing um, with this extension? Mr. Tamlin is talking about putting sale tracks in there. The PGAPA actually wants to restore the length basically the section of platforms that are lost at the other end of the terminal with the second street DTX curve. And at that point in time, the platform go all the way up to the other side of Main Street and it basically becomes impossible to connect the, the terminal to the east base. Because if you can continue on the level plane, which is what the Rhapsody suggested, you're not going to impact the entire Rincon Center, the, the Google building, and Mr. Tamlin, they're going to impact your new tunnel under Embarcadero. That is not the solution. The solution to the entire problem is at the other end and to eliminate the VTX curve. Thank you. Thank you, caller. That concludes members of the public that wanted to address you on that item. All right. All right. Uh, at this time, you are scheduled to go into closed session pursuant to government code section 54956.9. Prior to clearing the room, we will check to see if there are members of the public that wish to address you under on the item uh, listed for discussion. Seeing none in the room. Seeing none online. Neil, can I take a moment to mention something for the board that I neglected to previously? Yes. Uh, it's been a few months, but I wanted to just update the board that in August, uh, our board of directors approved the final environmental document uh, for our San Francisco to San Jose project section, which now means that we are all the way environmentally cleared from the Salesforce Transit Center to LA County, and we have the draft environmental document for the last stretch between Palmdale and Burbank that would get us all the way to Union Station. So we're very close to having the entire LA to San Francisco stretch uh, past the environmental stage at this point. So just wanted to make the board aware that that happened and we haven't met in a while and I wasn't here in September, so. Nice. Um, Congratulations. Very exciting. Thank you. Sorry, right. so there's no public comment on closed session? Uh, we'd asked, there appears to be no one. All right. And I'm gonna get us into closed session. Yeah. Remind myself how to use this, hold on. TV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. Uh, the uh, TJPA Board of Directors uh, meeting of November 10th, 2022 is back in uh, session. And in regards to item 17, announcement of closed session, there is no action to report. Confirm that there are no members of the public uh, in the hearing room that wish to comment. Uh, there is a member of the public online. I do not see a hand raised. I do not We're see not a sure. hand raised and want to confirm that they do not wish to provide public comment. Okay, confirming that concludes the business before you today. Oh my goodness, thank you. This meeting's now adjourned. Well, <laughs> Good job, great nice job. Chair.